Welcome, everybody, back to the Rooted and Edified show. I'm your host, Caddy Elias, along with our co-host, Manny Elias. Hello. And you are joining us for a special, special episode, a super important episode titled Suicide and a Case for Hope. And to help us make this case for hope, we have a special, special man of God, John Noyes. Happy dance for you. Woo. 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 All right. He got it in there. Yeah. Special dance. Now, before I tell you a little bit more about Mr. John Noyes, I want to remind you about a few things about this podcast. The Rooted and Edified show is a fun-loving, no-facade, Bible-believing, conservative Christian worldview show for both men and women who want to hear the four T's, which are testimonies, topics, talents, and theology, of course. We want to help you grow deeper in your relationship with Christ and more mature along your walk. And if we can get a few laughs in on the side, we are completely happy Absolutely. with that. Just as a reminder, this is an audio podcast and a video one. So whichever is your preference, there's something available to you. And if you've listened to this episode today and you want to reach out to us, you want to help support us in some way, feel free to contact us through our website, which is www.beautifullyrooted.com. And that is spelled B-E-Y-O-U. Beautifully Rooted is a Christian ministry that I have that is a Christian mental health and education corporation for women, where we focus on healthy living, healthy thinking, and healthy relationships. Now, let me introduce you to our special guest, an amazing apologist, John Noyce. John has worked as a speaker for Stand a Reason since 2019, which is an amazing organization. Yes? Amen. Yes. As a former atheist, John used to think that belief in God was unwarranted and irresponsible. Then, after examining the evidence for Christianity, he was faced with the fact that Jesus is who he says he is, and the Christian worldview tells the true story of reality. Ever since, John has been passionate about engaging the culture with honest, well-thought-out reasons why people should trust the Christian worldview. John brings a unique perspective to his audiences and the Standard Reason team, having more than 10 years of experience in the legal field. In 2013, John earned a master's degree in Christian apologetics from Biola University, and he graduated with honors, of course, your honor, right? graduated with your honor, lawyer joke. <laughs> anyway, John is a founding pastor at Soli Church. He also serves on the board of directors for Life Without Limbs and Bible Thinker. And more than any of this, John is the father of four daughters. He's a girl dad and the husband of Rihanna, and they live in Ventura County. So welcome, John, to our show. We're so happy to have you here. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm excited. As are we. Would you mind telling us a little bit more about yourself and any ministry or an organization that you're with or anything that you wanted to let us know, any events coming up or promotions? Oh, gosh, I'm awful at promoting. I work for Stand the Reason, like you said. Except you promote We're Jesus We're doing the well. reality conferences right now. That's the big thing. Realityapologetics.com. I would try to get to one of those if you can. Uh, they're really cool events. That's, that's yeah. We vouch for that. Amazing events. We also purchased the online version that will be coming out in February, I think it is. So if somebody's not able to go to it in person or you're in sunny California here and you missed it, you can purchase it online and download it in, I think, in February of two, right. 2024. Yeah. So they'll be live streaming it from Dallas in February, too. And if you can't make it for the live stream, then you can purchase the like what you guys did, the, the conference that's been recorded. That's right. And that this conference is for middle school, high school, and young adults. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. But I, I would say, don't be scared. Um, if you're just an, if you're an adult, come on through. I mean, it, it really is for everybody. Our target is, is middle and high school really, but you guys will know, like, I mean, we don't dumb anything down. We flood the students with good, solid information that I think that they're, they're needing and they're, they're wanting. And it was, it was fun. It was very engaging. So should we jump in? 
Before we start with the questions, I wanted to preface this a little bit because this is definitely a big topic that we are discussing today, this specific episode. This is a topic that people avoid and avoid. But as a therapist and someone who's been in the medical field for a very long time, I know it's not something that we can avoid. We may try, but we can't. We see the realities of all things suicide. As theologians and apologists, you scrutinize scripture to learn the depths and the height of how good God is, to make sense of what he tells us. And in addition, you seek to answer the important questions that our human life experience asks. To those who are listening and viewing our podcast episode, you yourself know that this is a topic that cannot be ignored. You see what is going on in the world and probably know of someone who is experiencing depression, complicated grief, clinically concerning anxiety, addiction maybe, and other things. Or you yourself are struggling with one or more of these issues. Suicide is an unfortunate reality for many. Mm -hmm. Today, we hope to get a grasp of what it is, why someone unfortunately might be considering this, try to take a look at the question of, are we alone in this struggle? But I also hope that we can dive into why suicide is not the answer and have a biblical discussion of why we can have hope even when we are in situations that seem hopeless. Now, before we jump in, I wanna remind you of some national resources for the United States that I often share when discussing delicate topics. If you listen to this podcast and you find that you or someone you know needs help with improving your mental health or getting to healthy goals, or if you specifically identify that you have suicidal ideation and need to help keep yourself safe or your loved one, here are some resources for you. The SAMHSA line is the Substance Abuse and Mental Health U.S. National Treatment Hot Referral Hotline. And for that, you can dial 1-800-662-HELP, H-E-L-P. So that's regardless of whatever insurance you have or don't have. If you need mental health treatment or substance abuse treatment, you can call this line. They will figure out where you can go. It's not a Christian resource. This is a national resource, but it is a place that you can get help. You can also easily Google Christian therapist near me, and you will find a slew of people that are able to see you within the faith. Additionally, if you are feeling in crisis and or you're having suicidal thoughts, you can call our U.S. National Crisis Helpline and Hotline, which is you can dial or text 988. Just three numbers. That's all you have to dial. If you're having active suicidal thoughts and ideation now or at a very, very recent time, if you plan to kill yourself, you need to dial 911 or get yourself to the nearest emergency room. There, they can help you. Please remember that as we discuss this topic, that there is help. Super, super important. Okay, now that our talk has been prefaced, we can now jump into a great discussion with our special guest today. Thanks again, John Noyes, for joining us. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thanks. That was a great, um, I think, a great setup. And I, if, if you don't mind, I'd just like to reiterate the fact that Whoever's listening, this is this is the uh, the hardest thing for me discussing this isn't necessarily just the idea, right? The ideas are kind of we can put them up there in the ether, we can kind of toss them around and play with the ideas. But the the reality is that I don't know who's listening to this podcast or who's watching. And I want to let you guys know that if you find yourself listening to this and you're struggling, you're not alone. Uh, there are there are an awful lot of people who are wrestling and struggling with, with some serious things right now. I don't know you. I don't know what you're going through. But the only way to get through it is to talk to somebody. <laughs> and you just listed, Cat, uh, just a, a, a number of resources that are really good starter places. So if, if you're listening to this or you're watching this and you find yourself in a place where you just don't see any way out of your current circumstances, 
One, I want you to know that God loves you, that he cares for you so much that he gave his only son for you. And there's forgiveness in Christ. Two, there is help. And the only way you're going to get better is to reach out and talk to somebody. So, so dial 988 or whatever it might be. It's a, it, but anyways, great, great setup, Kat. I'm glad that you gave those resources up front. And if we have time, maybe we'll get to it. But I can just testify as a therapist who has had to assess for suicidality time and time again, as a medical social worker, being on the front lines of that and assessing, I can tell you of stories of hope, stories that started off with suicidal ideation for a lot of different reasons. You know, we had an economy crisis 10, 15 years ago, and I saw so many people because they lost their jobs. Either they were two years from retirement, and but they were getting paid the most at their job, and so they got cut. Their 401ks dwindled for a lot of people. That's right. Or I saw a lot of adult males who were head of household who got their job cut and they just were feeling hopeless and their identity was so tied into that job and being a provider that they really struggled. And there's lo- there's a whole bunch of other reasons why people might become suicidal, which we'll probably get into some of them. But I can tell you, as I've seen them from start to a lot later and they are doing well. They were they pulled out of it. They had hope. They saw how God intervened in their life and they're no longer suicidal. So that's the point. I saw people who were suicidal and they're no longer suicidal. And I just want to put that out there that I can testify to how many people maybe had the thought at one time, no longer have that thought. So speaking of this topic, John, I've Mm -hmm. heard that this is this topic is one of your best topics. Now, I'm sure all of them are amazing. It's the most popular. Most therapists do not love jumping into this topic. This is not their favorite topic to discuss and explore, but you do. So can you start us off with helping us understand what gave you such a passion to explore it and to specialize in it enough to present regularly on it? What drew you in? Yeah, that's a that, that's a good question, Kat. You know, it's kind of, it was kind of out of necessity that this this talk for me and and me diving into it was was born. We were at a conference. I was at a conference, actually a reality apologetics conference, and somebody was supposed to deliver a talk on suicide at that conference. The pastor of the church we were at. And we didn't think much of it because we've uh, we have ten breakout sessions. We've got ten different topics or five different topics each time or whatever, six different topics. So we we're like, whatever, it's not a big deal. Well, it turned out it was a big deal because that room that he was supposed to present in was packed with students, adults, leaders, packed to the gills. They ended up having to post people outside the room, turning people away. And so that kind of struck something with us at, at Stand the Reason. Well, maybe there's something to this issue. I was new on the team and so they asked, Hey, does anybody want to tackle this topic? And I'm being the new guy, man, I just wanted to, I just wanted to play the game. You know, I just wanted to get in the game. I didn't care what position, whatever, throw me in. So I was like, I'll take it. And then come to find out one, uh, I have suicide in my story, not, not me personally, but I have a cousin who died by suicide now just over 10 years ago during the time i was preparing the information to make the talk so four years ago my first roommate in california who is then living in uh, maryland he died by suicide right after i completed the talk like gathering all the information ready to present it for the first time my really really good friends and michael adams mike adams died by suicide. Uh, so this is an issue that's affected us all. So so I kind of fell into the topic, but it fits. Like This is what people tell me, I guess. It fits with me because I'm a Christian apologist and philosopher, but I'm also a pastor. And I love people. I just love people. And so that pastoral component kind of mixed with the apologist component has, I guess, 
produced something that's been beneficial to the audience or whoever's listening. And it's it's been very rewarding, very, very, very hard, but very rewarding for me as well. As I, as I, like I said, I fell into the topic, but now like what you were just saying, Kat, it's home with me, you know, you being a therapist, you've seen the, you've, you've got, you have the, the benefit of seeing start to finish some of the, some people who are wrestling with, with really hard issues and they go through uh, these thoughts of wanting to die hopelessness, but then you see God restore them. And then you see God use them on the other side of it. Now, kind of four years doing this talk consistently, it's the only talk at these reality apologetics conferences that isn't cycled out. I give it every single time at every single city. I've now given it, I don't even know how many states, probably 40 states, three or four different countries now all over the world. And then I get to go back and people will have me back to give the same talk a year later. And then I get to see some of the success stories. Um Along the way. So, so I want to remind people and also just speak to your audience directly right now that, that the things that I'm saying, one, they're true. I, I say things because they're true. I'm not saying things just to make people feel good or, or these aren't empty platitudes when we start talking about the gospel and who people are. Like, this is the true story of reality. And then also, like, I'm, I'm speaking from experience here that I know that when you press through these issues, when you actually get help and and start talking about these things and start living authentically with with one another and, and getting real with each other and airing your baggage out i know that things do get better and so so that's one of the things that that i've i've been surprised about handling this topic that i didn't know that this was the way it was going to be but it's been a pleasant surprise so that's one of the reasons why i'm so passionate about it now too because because people are suffering and and i think that we it's not these aren't my answers right? These answers are available to everybody. They're God's answers, but we have answers to life's most pressing and challenging questions. We've got good answers. And sometimes the answers save lives, literally save lives. So I, I've benefited from from being able to present this topic. Um, I hope that I hope that answers your question in a roundabout way. Definitely. And you're reminding me of something that I was thinking about when the, the shutdown happened with COVID hmm. is I was thinking, you know, when it comes to despair and death and Loss of hope. We as believers are the experts. That is our domain to say we know the answer. We know scripture. When it comes to death, that's not something that believers should shy away from. We should run towards because we know what the eternal hope is. And we know the solution to it. That's right. right? There's, there is nobody else on earth, scientist, secular, religion, scholar, whatever. Nobody else other than the Christian has the answer to death. That's right. We have the answer to death. His name's Jesus. Amen. Amen. You know, and that's where hope is found, by the way. And we'll get to that, uh, I, I presume. Definitely. I think if you ask a believer, what was your life before you accepted Jesus? Well, most are going to tell you, actually, I had a life. Like, you atheists, we have our stories. You can hear Manny's testimony. I have my story. We were dead before, and God right. brought us back to life. So we know that hope. So that's who you should be running to if you have these questions or these thoughts. And... By the way, in, in my testimony, my conversion story, which is the first episode we did called From Darkness to Light, I did actually contemplate suicide once I had a suicidal thought. I was a drug addict and I thought there is no way out. Yeah. This is probably the only way out because I was involved in some gangs. Several times I'd have nightmares that people came to kill me. One of the things that I do remember so vividly is when the Lord Jesus transformed my life. One of the first signs that I saw of a real transformation was that I no longer fear death. Yeah. 
And also equally important was I no longer feared life. What yeah, do you mean by that's that? good. The challenges of life, the difficulties of life, the unfavorable circumstances of life. I no longer feared that. And to me, that was one of the greatest probably signs of Jesus Christ truly being real and transforming my life. Yeah. And that's the hope that we that we hope to convey here, that we hope to give to people. Amen. Amen. Yeah. You know, M Manny, you're, uh, I feel kind of bad because we're going to be jumping all over the place right now. But like, I think that this is an important point that one that we'll probably make later, but right now it's on the, it's on the forefront of my mind that you no longer feel death, but you no longer feel life. And then when you said that you went on to list all the trials of life, right? Cause life is hard. This is something that I think Christians, we could do better at acknowledging. Absolutely, brother. Amen. You know, on Sunday mornings, like when people ask how you are, or you go into the grocery store, or whatever, people ask how you are. Normally the Christian's like, oh, I'm blessed. You know, hey, blessed. You know, I mean, and don't, I don't want to take anything away from this. Like I'm blessed by, by, by every measure, but it doesn't mean life is perfect. And, and life is, life is really had. It's really, really, really had for people. And, and we live in a fallen and broken world. And this is, yes, this is a point Paul made constantly. And in the Bible, he tells us that we need to be living vigilantly, right? Circumspectly, cautiously. Why? Because the, the devil, our adversary, is prowling around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour, right? There's a spiritual battle that's raging on all around us. We can't necessarily Amen, see it, but we correct. certainly see and feel the effects of it. And life is hard. But, and this is the main point here, but... Even in the trials, life is still good because God uses those trials in our life. That's why we don't have to fear them, Manny. That's like why you can when you when you have the veil removed and you and you enter into new life. When God makes you a new man uh, by by taking your hard heart and turning it into a, a soft one, a heart of flesh from a heart of stone. Uh, we perceive reality differently. We perceive reality as the way it's really supposed to be. And those trials, even the really hard things, and I'm not taking away from what people are going through right now. I know that there are people listening and watching this that, that I can't even understand the struggles. Like I really can't because I know that people are going through hard things right now. But I also know that, that, that God fulfills every single one of his promises. He never lies and he never breaks a promise. Amen. And he says that his grace is sufficient for us is what he says. And it's, God who says that it's in our weakness that we find strength. And it's God through Paul that says, for these but momentary light afflictions producing in us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison, right? It's, it's, it's God who says that through tribulation is produced perseverance, perseverance, proving character, proving character, a hope and a hope that does not disappoint. Notice that all of these things are coming from trials, not just peace and relaxation and eternal vacations. These are the trials of life that are brought to us. And in them, we find godly character. We find uh, tools in order to persevere. Not only that, but God transforms us into the people that he wants us to be through our trials. And he does it with a purpose. And that purpose is heavenly rule, guys. Like like Kat and Manny, I mean, we are going to be given heavenly rule. And without the trials of life, we wouldn't be prepared for that. And this is like, I think this is a great jumping off point to, to remind people of this, that, that if it like listening to this, this is where true hope comes from, right? These are the things like it, hope doesn't come through your 401k. It doesn't come through the kind of car house you drive. It doesn't come through what your job you have, what kind of wife or husband you have. It doesn't come through a paycheck, not lasting hope. 
The only thing that ultimately matters as far as hope goes is our relationship with the Redeemer God and the Son of Heaven through the power of His Spirit. Amen. And, and when we have that relationship, it can't ever be taken away from us. But more than that, Paul, he had that relationship, the Apostle Paul, and he found joy in suffering. How in the world did he find that? Well, because he didn't place his hope, his center or producer of joy, he didn't find that in worldly circumstances. He found Amen, it in brother. God. And this is where true and everlasting hope is found. And like I said, this is why I prefaced all of this, guys, with what I'm saying is true. These aren't just words I'm saying to make people feel good. This is the true story of reality. This is how the world really is. This is this is an, this is amazing news. And this is a hope that's available to everybody, unlike, you know, a six-figure job or a house in Beverly Hills or a beautiful woman or a perfect husband or amazing kids or a, a Lamborghini or a mansion whatever. Those things aren't available to everybody. They're available to to the 1%, right? They're available to the ultra rich, the ultra elite, especially on a worldly scale. But the hope that we have that's never-ending and all-supplying is available to every single person that's ever walked the planet. And, uh, and, and I think that's important to remember when we have these conversations. Amen. Very often, what I go over with women is that one of the markers of a believer, one of the, the hopes that we have is that our well-being is dependent upon God, not on circumstances, people, or things. That's where we get our mental wellness from. Our source is mm. the Lord. So let's jump into talking. Hope is so great. That that is where we started. Praise God for that. And we're going to come, we're going to end with hope again. Amen. So praise God. This is a hope sandwich. A hope sandwich. So let's jump in talking a about hopey, the topic. A hopey. A hopey. Let's talk. Let's jump. <laughs> now I just got it. How did I get that so late? Oh my gosh. Guys, this is a product I think we may be able to market actually. Oh my goodness. A hopey sandwich. A hopey sandwich. I love it. Anyways, yes. Yes. Let's keep going. <laughs> So let's jump in talking about this topic. There are so many people who throw around terms and phrases and joke about suicidal gestures when they're really just using extreme inflamed language to express themselves. I do not like it. I can tell you that right now. I'm definitely a proponent for say what you mean and mean what you say. But unfortunately, as a society, we have come to accept suicidal language as so common, mm. like regular speech. We even hear songs about it. My question to you is really considering people joke about it so much and they just throw it around, how much of a problem really is this? How prevalent do you think suicide is? And have you seen an increase in recent years, given that the world seems to be decaying from the inside out and from top to bottom? Yeah, that, that's a, <laughs> I like how you threw that phrase on at the end, Kat. You know, the world seems to be decaying from the inside, uh, from the inside out or inside in. I think when we look at the world around us, yeah, generally speaking, I feel like, especially in the West, we feel like there's a decline in culture. But largely speaking, we know who wins Jesus and uh, the battle has been won. So we need to remember that. But this issue, guys, number one, it's it's way more prevalent than we would like to think. Just going off this, these are just numbers and I'm going off memory here. So I'm going to, I may uh, estimate. So I'll do my best to remember the exact numbers. They'll be in the ballpark. CDC, these are all according to the CDC, Center for Disease Control. Suicide is the number two leading cause of death for ages 10 to 34. 10 years old to 34, the number two leading cause of death. The first cause of the leading cause of death is accidents. Accidents, though, are often misattributed suicides. 
Drug overdoses is an accidental death. That is a misattributed, oftentimes, not all the times, but oftentimes misattributed suicide. Uh, there's we, we hear a lot about gun violence and murder, and this is a serious issue in our country. Yes, but twice as many people die by suicide every year than die by murder. Oh, my gosh. So it used to be. So the, these are the trends. Like, why is this important, guys? Like, like it, because this is happening all over the place and the numbers are I'm not saying these things to frighten anybody, but it's just the reality of the situation. We need to know the reality of the situation in order to speak into it. Before the pandemic, 12%, around 12% of American college-age students contemplated suicide. When I say contemplated suicide, I mean they had a they had a serious plan. They had a plan when, where, and how they were going to carry out. It wasn't just somebody that was like throwing a term out there. And so 12% of American college-age students contemplated suicide. Most recently, the most recent number that I've read in the last 16 months, the CDC has released information that 25.5% of American college-age students have seriously contemplated suicide in the last year. That's one in four. I, this is a serious issue. I mean, if if anything else was that, like if if one in four people were, uh, you know, so getting uh, the, the cancer, right, for example, I mean, there would be a serious push. Like one in four of anything, we'd be taking the issue really, really seriously. It's just we're not really talking about it. And we're seeing these 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 rates skyrocket. Now, it was what's really interesting in the data. Uh, like I, I'm, a, I'm a geek like this. I love data. I love digging in deep. And during the pandemic, everything was declining. And what I've come to realize in just through reading the research is during crises, times of mask, big crises, we see things like suicide rates decrease because people rally, right? They rally to the occasion. But then what we need to do is we need to keep looking at the numbers for the for two years out, three years out, four years out. Because now what we're seeing two years out from COVID, the numbers are skyrocketing. 2022, I don't have the exact number, so I'm not even going to try to quote it, but more people died by suicide in 2022 than at any other year in the United States. Wow. You know, and wow. so so last year was the worst year for suicide on record. And and keep in mind guys and why this is all so so I think I think so very important. Keep in mind that we live in a time where we have a better understanding of how the brain works, the physio physiology of the brain. We we can track chemicals production and excretion. We know how the electro impulses work, all of this stuff. We know how the brain works better than at any other time in history. Also at the same time, we can better treat things like schizophrenia, multiple personality disorder, depression, anxiety with medications better than at any other time in history. So you combine these two facts, what we should be seeing, if it's merely just responding to physiology in the brain, chemical reactions, if it's just these things, then, then, then we should be seeing suicide rates drastically decreasing, but we're not. We're seeing them skyrocket. Why is that? Well, I think, and, and this goes beyond your question, but it might go into the next question maybe. I think that what we're doing is we're seeing uh, it's a vacuum of hope out there. You know, uh, people are losing hope in this life. They're believing a lie that they're better off dead than alive. And and I think that we're influenced by bad ideas. And I love John Stone Street. I, I quote this in my talk a lot. John Stone Street says, ideas have consequences, bad ideas have victims. And I think what we're seeing right now is we're seeing a lot of victims to some very bad ideas that are taking a prominent place in our culture. And, and, these, and that manifests itself in a number of ways. But this, this, this issue is not going away. It's here to stay and it's only getting worse. One last thing, one last statistic, because I'm a, I'm a girl dad, like you said, a cat. 
right? And so, so I pay attention to girl news. And just recently, I read a CDC study. Actually, it wasn't CDC. This was uh, the Journal of Psychology study that is saying that rates of depression, anxiety, and suicide ideation are increased 60%, six, zero, 60% among school-aged females. And so the, the culture or whatever's happening, the ideas that are influencing the culture, are uh, they're affecting everybody, but they're especially influencing and affecting our young girls. And, uh, and now we need to start digging into the hard questions, why, and then fixing them. We'll hopefully combat them and fix them. But this is an issue that, uh, that we need to be talking about. It's everywhere. I think everybody has been touched by the issue in one way or another because it's so prevalent. And so, so we just need to be talking about it. Definitely. And I know that sometimes we talk about the different drugs that are out there right now, like the fentanyl and all, all the different things that are out there right now that seem to be, that can't be helping the suicide rate or depression or anxiety. Well, fentanyl is like so scary. It is. You know, and now, now the way the, the, the I mean, the illegal manufacturing of it is, is uh, now they're, they're, I, I know way too much about this stuff. I, I shouldn't, but I do. Anyways, this is, but, but fentanyl, all of this access, like, but this is, these are all symptoms of a larger problem. Right. So what's happening is, is people are chasing these things like drugs to find satisfaction and hope, you see, and, and they're, they're hoping they, what they're doing is they're placing their hope in this thing. This substance is going to alleviate whatever it is that I'm feeling inside, anger, pity, uh, depression, um, rage, whatever it might be, uh, loneliness. I'm going to do this and it's going to solve my problems, but it doesn't. That's a lie. It doesn't solve your problems. All it does is make them worse. It, it just adds despair to despair. This is what I tell people who, who are even contemplating doing drugs or, or who are actually drug addicts is that they always take more than what they give. Oh, yeah. You well, you, you chase the dragon, right, Manny? This for, yep, absolutely. You're chasing brother. the dragon, chasing absolutely. the dragon. That's what, that's what it used to be, at least in my day. That's what it was when you were, uh, when you were chasing heroin. You know, you, you're, you're always on that next high. And the same high, it's like, it's like this with pornography, it, the, the, that dose will do enough for now, but eventually it will increase and you'll need more and more and more and more and more until it kills you. And, and it's all in search of satisfaction, hope, identity issues. They're chasing lies ultimately. And this is, this is a really good point. And guys, like I can't help myself, so I'm sorry, but, uh, I just can't help myself. I just want your people to like your listeners to know that if, if, if this is you, it's maybe you're struggling with drug addiction or pornography or whatever it might be. There's forgiveness for you. Yes. Amen. Amen. And, 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 it, and it's offered now. It's not offered when you get clean. It's offered Amen. now. Jesus, Jesus takes you just as you are. This is a part that people get wrong. They feel like they have to clean up before they get to Jesus, before they go to Jesus. That's not true. Jesus wants you and know what? He wants your baggage. So bring it all to him. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, is what Jesus says. He's the great physician, not because he came to heal the sick. He came uh, to heal the, the well, the people who are well. He came be, and healed the sick. So bring your sickness, bring your disease, bring your drug addiction, bring your porn addiction, bring whatever it is to him. And this is where the hope is found. Don't believe the lies of the devil that that, that the, the, the world is going to tell you you have to get cleaned up before you can come to Jesus. You got to kick that bad habit. No, no, you're not going to be able to kick that bad habit until Jesus renews your heart. 
Amen. Like, Amen. So, so anyways, I have to throw that in there. Yeah, thank you. And, and so often when I speak with people, I, I tell them, you know, sometimes we're so upfront with God about some things, but there's just that 10% that's inside of our heart that we're not upfront with anybody about. We're not upfront with people, not, not upfront with ourselves. We don't, we just deny it to ourselves and to God, but God will go after that percentage. He will keep on revealing that part in ourselves. And I will tell you that every single time that I have cried out to the Lord, every single time, genuinely, it doesn't have to look pretty. It doesn't have to sound nice. It doesn't have to be even nice words towards God. But every single time that I've reached out to the Lord, genuinely, he has met me every single time. And he already knows it's there, Kat. He's, he's already done the digging. <laughs> you know what I mean? He knows all of your dirt. Hmm. Like, it's so funny. And I do this too, guys. Like I'm speaking, like I'm, I'm pointing fingers back at myself. I'm preaching to myself here, but we do all of this to hide stuff from God. There's no hiding from God. He knows everything. He already knows it. And the cool thing is, is that when you bring that to the cross of Christ, he's already forgiven it. Amen. Already. You know, there is now no condemnation in Christ Jesus. There is now no condemnation. Is, is, is that, that's not me. That's the Bible. There is nothing that can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's, that's what uh, Paul says. And th- the reason why I, I lay this on heavy is because it's this stuff. This is the true story of reality. It's true. And this is where forgiveness is found, but this is where hope is found. As opposed to the world that's just going to tell you, you need to work harder. You need to kick your habits. You need to shape up or you need to do, 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 do. Rely on yourself. Rely on yourself. Pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Pull yourself up. You fall off. Well, that's the saying, right? If you fall off, get back on. Fall off, get back on. You know, but that's that that's a cycle that's exhausting. It's going to exhaust you in the hopelessness. It's not about that. It's about receiving the grace that's found only in God through Christ and and relying on that. Yes, we we put in effort. Yes, we chase Jesus in his righteousness. Yes, we want to we want to put our best foot forward and we and we want to be innovators and 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 we want to be creators and we want to be hard workers. But that stuff's birthed out of the hope that we have that's in Christ. Our our value, our worth, our identity isn't found in our effort. It's found in Christ, but because we're made new in Christ, we're free to go and pursue those things through hard work and and discipline and stuff like this. But we don't ever have to lose our hope because it's not that it's in Christ who's unwavering. Amen. And that's such a a powerful message for a a culture that, in my opinion, overemphasizes self-realization that overemphasizes self-improvement, meaning I do this myself and Speaking as an ex-drug addict, when you're there and you're enslaved by that habit, when you're enslaved by that, and you find that you've tried and you've tried and you've tried and guess what? You can't do it. You get to the end of yourself. And I'm like, a lot of these people try. I tried. And I just couldn't until I met the Lord Jesus. And man, when the Lord Jesus fought the battles that I could not win, when he fought them for me, The scripture says that he is king of kings and Lord of lords. There is no battle that he can lose. That's right. Amen. You know, just for those that are listening that are saying, well, I don't do drugs. Don't forget that there are other places we put our hope in that are outside of God. So women, that includes sex, relationships, men and women work, there's uh, ourselves. There's lots of things that we put our hope in that are never going to pan out. So 
find the Lord. There are other expressions where we're doing it wrong. And speaking of what we're doing wrong, I feel like we've covered almost everything here, but my question to you would be <laughs> just so we can, so, cause we could probably end right here and that would be great. But just so we cover everything, what do you think that we get right as a society when it comes to suicide? And what do you think we get wrong? What, what do you think that, that we should know? This is a really good question. And actually nobody's ever asked me this. This is a really good question. Uh, what do we get right? I think what I think generally speaking, we get a lot right. I think that we know the gospel, most of us. I think we understand that where our identity should be, at least, right? We're all made in the image of God, and that's where it starts. Uh, every single one of us, regardless of whether you're a believer or not believer, you're made in the image of God. And because you're made in that image, uh, God has assigned to you, prescribed to you, true meaning, purpose, a value, dignity, and these things that can't be escaped. You know, I think we get that right. I think we're starting to be better at allowing ourselves to kind of put our guards down and have hard conversations with one another. So I think we get the gospel right. We have that, that it's good. We know, we know the gospel, we know our true identity, and we're starting to share that with one another. But where there's, I, I do think that there's a lot that we get wrong. And I'm not trying to be hypercritical here. I don't think we're doing enough to talk about the issue. And I think the reason why we're not talking about suicide is because it's this taboo topic that we just want to put in the dark corners of even our churches. And it's just easier not to talk about it because there's a stigma associated with it. There's a, there, there are certain things that come to minds when we, when we mention suicide, it's shameful. It's something to be hidden. It, and it's very similar. I mentioned this in my talk sometimes too. It's very similar to abortion. For the longest time, the Christian even did not want to talk about abortion. We knew that we have people in our audiences every Sunday morning who are wrestling with abortion, but we just don't want to talk about it. So we ignore the issue and then nothing gets solved. You know, we just see abortion rates skyrocket. But then once we start talking about the issue, we start taking them out of the dark corners of our churches and allowing the light of the gospel to shine on them. We see people get healed. Then we see literally, we see lives get saved. Then we see the issue get highlighted to the point that it is now. And, and it's, 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 it's a main issue of, of discussion. And while it's being discussed, lives are saved. And from no matter what side you are on the issue, we see that. We see abortion rates decreasing. That's a good thing. And the same thing could be true said of, of suicide. I think it's one of those issues that we just want to push off into the corners. And we need that to church. We need to be leading the way in the discussion Great we, point. We, because people are dying. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing that we should be improving on. We should just be talking about in our churches. Um, this is this is controversial. And I don't know where you guys are going to land on, on this with me. So forgive me if we disagree. But one of the things, I don't think we will. One of the one of the things that I'm noticing as I travel around the world and, and really our country and I talk to Christians is there's this idea within the church that someone who goes to a counselor or gets help through therapy is somehow sinning or it's not biblical. That is just plainly false. There is no biblical justification for that position. And we're harming each other by saying, like, I talk to teens and young adults all the time, guys. And I was just at Summit Ministries, a fantastic ministry. Uh, they, they, do, they run these two-week worldview training camps is the best word I can come up with. Seminars. Fantastic. Summit in Colorado. They're amazing. And this happens every time I go and speak there on suicide. 
I have a young lady come up to me, maybe 19 years old, 20, and she'll say, Hey, what do you think about counseling, getting outside counseling, meaning even biblically based therapy? And then what do you think about antidepressants? And I already know where the conversation is going to go. And I'll say, is this for you? And they'll say, yes. My parents said that I can't take meds and I shouldn't be talking to anybody as far as a therapist goes. And that is so harmful because therapy helps. Like, I don't know about, I, I don't know about you guys, Kat and Manny, you guys might have the perfect marriage. You guys might, maybe you do. You have heard, you have heard. Yes. Yes. I, last time I was with my mom, uh, I grew up on the East Coast. So we were back East two years ago and I, she was up. So I was talking to her. I said, mom, wh- why didn't you ever tell me that marriage was going to be so difficult and raising kids is so stinking hard? And she said, John, because I wanted you to get married and have kids. If you knew the reality, <laughs> you'd never do it. Life is hard. It comes back to this, guys. We all need help at one time or another. I'm not saying like, and I'm not saying that these things aren't abused. They are. But that's why we, like Paul said, we live cautiously, vigilantly, because the days are evil is what Paul says. So we need to live cautiously and, and vigilantly. We, we don't go blindly into things, but I've seen antidepressants change people's lives. I've literally seen them save people's lives. And same thing with therapy. And this is an issue that I think, and I'm belaboring the point now, but I, I, I think that this is an issue that the church really gets wrong and we need to be better and, and open our minds up to the fact that if it's okay for you to take an Advil to get rid of that headache, I find it difficult to justify taking uh, the, the position that you can't take a certain prescription medication in order to help with your depression, anxiety, uh, suicide ideation, multiple personality disorder, schizophrenia, any of these things. I'd love to actually, Kat, I'd love to hear your opinion on this. I'm sure you have one. I do. I've had a lot of people ask me before, what do you think about medication? I don't have a problem with it. Now, I I think it depends on each case. There are a lot of times when there are other things that are just as helpful. And sometimes with particular medication, if it's something like, for example, an anti-anxiety medication, sometimes it's completely warranted. You should take that medicine. And for other people, it takes away their symptoms and they don't have practice on working on it. Now, that's a case by case. That's why you need to be working with a therapist about your individual case. Some people need it, it is available, take it. Don't even question, if you have postpartum depression and you feel like killing yourself, take that medication. Sometimes we need to get you to a place to where we can do a better therapy with you. You might have trouble even just receiving that in the first place, you might need that medication. Now, of course, you talk to your doctor, you figure out all the breastfeeding stuff, if that's a particular case. However, that's all to say, I'm not against that at all. I think some people need it. So there's a lot of people that are in the church or out in the public that they have disorders you don't even know because they're taking medication and and praise God that they're able to function in a particular way. But almost never do I say just medication. Almost always, even with a disorder like schizophrenia, with an organic disorder, you need to have counseling in there. Not forever. You don't need to be sitting on a black couch for 20 years (laughs) talking about everything that happened and when your diaper didn't get changed or whatever. But you need to have some counseling there because you need to learn how do I manage stress? How do I regulate my emotions? That the things that I can handle. And also to put out there, you know, I was a therapist that was working in the secular field for a very long time. So if your option, your first line of help is something in the secular field, go for it, go for it, check it out, see if it aligns with scripture. In fact, those of us that have been in the secular field, we're waiting for you. We would love to share our, our beliefs with you. And, and we would love to share what aligns with scripture that is also healthy. 
that's the point is that mental wellness does come from the Bible. So we would yeah. love to, to teach you things that help you align with what the word of God says and help you to get to where I can cope. Very important. Yeah. And I can definitely attest to the fact that it is so helpful because um, I was on the other side of the aisle prior to marrying Kat. Literally on the other side of the aisle because you weren't married to me. literally on the other side of the aisle, yeah. And um, I used to think that it was a lack of faith for a Christian to go see a a therapist. I used to think that, you know. And look what God sent you, a therapist (laughs) for a wife, you see. However, though, I will say it, it was definitely a tool for much needed introspection in my life where there were things that I just did not want to admit that I had to present to God sincerely and ask the Lord to help me transform these areas. And I think that a lot of Christians who are sometimes anti-therapy don't realize that sometimes when you look at the scripture and the Lord Jesus using so many terms of doctor, physician, when you think about it, what kind of physician was Luke? I mean, he, he wasn't a physician according to our idea of what a physician is. He probably wasn't prescribing certain medicine that we have now. Nonetheless, he did heal the the body. And just that same way, Jesus is a physician of the soul. And I think he has gifted so many people in what we call in theology, God's common grace. He has gifted so many people with this gift of being able to explore the mind and help you heal things that are spiritual because technically the mind is a spiritual part of us. We're not talking about necessarily the brain, but the mind itself. The mind, that's right. And I think that when you think about these things, the tools that God gave her and the insight that God gave her when he brought her into my life were such a blessing that now in hindsight, obviously, I realize what a blessing it was, you know? It's still a blessing? It's still a blessing. Absolutely. <laughs> Just checking. <laughs> On this topic, I'll, I'll close with this. I want to put out there a message to theologians, apologists, professors in the field. You know, a lot of times people can be very head knowledge about the Bible and Mm. sometimes they can struggle with mental health things or even suicidality. And it's really hard for them because they say, well, I should know better and I I should rely on God more. And so I just want to put out there a lot of times what God will go after is our heart and he will reveal that, hey, we need to utilize some of these things therapeutic, maybe going to, to a counselor, talking with somebody who's, who cares about your soul, not just how much knowledge you have hmm. to help draw you out to increase your relationship with Christ. So don't be afraid. If you are a theologian, apologist, if you are a professor in the field, you too can struggle. And this may be the area that God is calling you to work through to draw closer to him and be more like him. It's, it could be especially true of people in my field that my colleagues, because we travel so much. And so oftentimes what happens is, is we become disconnected from the body of Christ, right? This is just a reality, and I'm not sure if it's popular or not, whatever. It's true. Oftentimes, I'll be I'll be in Dallas teaching on a Saturday, all day Saturday, and I can't get home for church, so I have a disconnection with, with the body of Christ in that way. And church is something that's very important to me. When I don't have it, it I, feel it's, I feel its absence. But for us that travel, the doubt and depression can creep in. And then you couple that with the fact, well, I'm supposed to have all the answers. Isn't that true? Like I, I, I'm the I'm the pastor and the apologist. That means I should have all the answers. And what am I going to do if I can't answer even my own questions and I have depression and stuff? Like it's okay to wrestle, guys. Like it's okay to 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 respond and say, you know what? Life is difficult. Like life is hard. You have to be talking to people, especially if you're a pastor 
or an apologist or a theologian that that is is often on that you need times where you're off and you need soul care and and you need to talk to somebody hence counseling and therapy and 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 these things you need to seek it out it's healthy and people within the body who are mature and i think the thing that's really important is to remember you can't admit it i know that there's a lot of stories of pastors and pastors wives who feel like they can't admit the things that are really going on inside, but you can't admit it. We're not above anybody else. And we just, and regardless, whatever it means, if it is what it is. So if you're struggling with this, who cares what it means? Get help. Yeah, absolutely. The, um, there's a, there's a verse I'm trying to remember. It's Paul. And and he's saying, he's, he says that I'd rather boast about my weakness, right? So the, the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore I'm well, he goes, therefore I'm well content with Second weakness, with insults, with stresses, 12. and all these things. And that's when he says at the, at, at the very tail end of this, and he says all of these things, difficulties for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. It's okay to be talking to one another about our weaknesses. And, and this is one of the beautiful things uh, the, the, about the community of God, right? We should be available to one another because we're the ones that have the true story of reality. We're the ones that that when I look at people, I see them not as just meat suits in motion, right? I don't see them as a, as a commodity or an ends to a means or means to an ends, rather. I see them as image bearers. And then you add on to that once you become a Christian, not only are you an image bearer, but your family. You're, you're, you're my brother or sister, not by my own DNA, but by the blood of the son of God, you know, and, and not only that, then you go from image bearer, which isn't as if that's not good enough to family as if that's not good enough. And then you up the ante even more fellow heirs with Christ future. Like, I mean, you're royalty. Like we are, we are royalty in the kingdom of God. And when we break this down and we start to realize this is the, this is the truth. This is who we are. Let's get off the highways and the byways of life. Stop listening to the world about what's important. Listen to God. Follow God's instructions. Let him say who you are. Not, not Don't listen to the world. Man has nothing but lies. God will tell you the truth. And he says that we need to be weak with one another and, and explore each other's you know issues. <laughs> and I think you know when we are more honest, less people will have a need to lie. So Amen. when you're more honest about the reality of what's going on, because it is the reality, then other people don't have to have a facade either. So just keep that in, in mind. So to backtrack a little bit, what are some of the signs and symptoms that family and friends can be aware of to give them a, a cue that, you know what, maybe my loved one is struggling with suicide or, or somebody themselves? There's, there's a lot, like you can tell if somebody is, is, is wrestling, right? And it's a combination of these things. It's not just one of these things. So if, if, if like, for example, uh, persistent sadness and tears, crying, stuff like this, like I have four daughters. Somebody is always crying in my house, <laughs> always crying in my house. It doesn't mean my kids are like suicidal, you know, but, but this is one of them. Like if there's a fluctuation between moods, if like, if, 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 if you have a friends or colleague or child or somebody, student, whatever it might be that. Uh, is fluctuating between like silent apathy and excited talkativeness or if they're constantly bored or or if they're always tired or they they express feelings of guilt or shame if they talk about running away change in eating habits change in exercise habits stuff like this if if uh, they become aggressive or rebellious in in certain areas or expressing like 
helplessness, uh, worthless. If they say that they're they're hopeless, these things. If they're giving stuff away or writing letters or increase in accident proneness, you know, they're just less thoughtful than they were. Change in sleeping, like all of these things. If they start doing drugs and pursuing promiscuous behavior, stuff like that, that those are good indications that they might be there. There, it's a clear indication that there's something going on. It could be that they're they're thinking of suicide. I agree. Even when somebody is suicidal, and they can really really only be hospitalized usually twenty four to seventy two hours. So I just say that to say that they they release them because they're no longer suicidal, actively suicidal. So I just say that to say sometimes we can be so fearful of strong emotions, and suicidality is probably one of the strongest emotions that we can have, but it doesn't last forever. So, right. so hang in there. Also, something that I've seen in clinic has been, if I've seen somebody obsess about a topic to where it was a clinical level. So for example, seeing somebody who obsessed so much about their boss at work, they were so bothered by it that it wasn't just the average person being irritated yeah. or under stress by a boss who's not trying to run them out. It's like yeah. this obsession where their thoughts are just playing over and over and over about the same thing. I think you need to worry about those things and run an and see if you can get help. And if you are questioning that if somebody is suicidal, I, I want to be clear, you need to ask them. You're not yeah. going to implant ideas. You're not going to say, hey, um, they weren't suicidal before, but now that I asked them, now they are suicidal and I planted that idea and now they're thinking about, it. no, you need to ask them if they make some sort of passive suicidal statement or some sort of suicidal gesture, you need to be clear. You, what you're trying to get out is say what you mean and mean what you say. And you're not gonna push that down on them, but that's that's the idea that you have to have. You, you, I've had somebody ask me before, hey, this this person at work, uh, they mention it and I'm not, just not really sure what they mean. I said, well, you, then you need to go ask. And that was their question to me is, what do I do? Bringing it you need into to ask, the light. Hey, when you mentioned this yeah. before, maybe this sounds crazy, but I just wanna check out. Did you mean you wanted to kill yourself? Do you feel like killing yourself? Use the words. That is just fine. It's better that than beating around the bush. And maybe you never have to address it again because then you'll find out a lot of times respond, no. I know yeah. I said that. No, I just, no, I was just having a hard day. I would never kill myself. Well, now you have peace of mind and now you clarified and now you can operate differently, but you can just ask them if you have a question. You see someone going down, hey, I see this is going on for you. I want to check in with you about this. Hey, I just, I just wanted to, to double check. I'm not sure. And it, this is probably just me being, you know, excessive, sorry. But, you know, have you had thoughts of killing yourself? Are yeah. you feeling like killing yourself? Is that something you, you think you'd ever do? Or, or cause, and then you can go into the hope piece. But if you, if there's a reason why you have concern, you can check it out. Yeah, that's true. Using the word suicide won't, it's actually the exact opposite. It's not, it's not going to move somebody towards it. The research is showing that it actually moves people away from it. When you when you use that word, when you say directly, are you thinking about suicide? The, that chances of that person actually then now going through and dying by suicide drastically decreases what the literature is showing now. So that's good. That's good advice. We have talked a lot about hope. Praise God. I think you've already made a super strong case for it. Hopelessness is the thing that sometimes can take someone from suicidal thoughts to suicidal gestures and suicidal ideation to, to active suicidality. So... Is there anything else that you want us to know about hope? Is there any other evidence that you, scripture, or anything else that you want us to know that can help us answer the question of, well, why should I put my hope in God? Because man has let me down. They have failed me and disappointed me and they've not kept their promises. 
So I imagine God will do the same. Why should I, why should I trust God and why should I put my hope in him? Yeah. Well, I mean, cause he's the only one who's proven himself worthy to be honest with you. I mean, he's the only one that's, he says that I will not leave you and I will not forsake you is what God says. He'll never do that. Right. Paul in, a, in, he says that there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord, nothing. There's nothing that can separate you from that love. Uh, I love the psalmist, right? So oftentimes what we do is we 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 like to compare ourselves to one another. This is true of, of all of us, but especially young women, right? Especially with the advent of social, social media. media. Oh my goodness. Uh, there's a lot of this comparison going going on back and forth. We And this is where we place hope in often, oftentimes. And we try to live up to standards. And sometimes the standards are good, by the way. Like there's a lot of us that are trying to live up to the standard of God, for example, his, it, that, that's found in his moral law, right? But when we overlay that with a system of do's and don'ts on top of our, especially our salvation or the grace of God, we become burdened. And this is one of my favorite verses of scripture, right? So it's Psalm 130 and he says, um, uh, if you, O Lord, were to mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand, but there is forgiveness in you. And I love that because it reminds me that even when I mess up, even, even at my worst, God forgives me. Even at my worst, God forgives me. And that's something like that. That is not what the world tells us. The world judges us according to our most recent mess up. And now with the advance of social media, that mess up is there forever. And that's why I think social media is so detrimental uh, oftentimes, right? It used to be like me and Manny have beef at school. And 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 uh, something happens, and we work it out. We get into a fight or whatever at school. Maybe the drama lasts for about a week, five days. But no, there's there's a time when we go home. Manny goes to his house. I go to my house. We go to our friends' circles. It's not brought up. We have a time of reflection, but then also we have time away from the drama. Now that's non-existent because the drama is there on our phones and our computers twenty four seven. But also notice there is no grace with social media stuff. There's no forgiveness. It is there forever. It might dissipate a little bit, but that that thing, that whatever it is, that embarrassing moment or that fight or that whatever it is, is there forever. And then that is forever part of your identity. And that's the lie, right? So, so this is where hope comes from, is we're defined by one person and one person only, and that's God. Amen. God gets to say who we are. And according to God... We are woven together in our mother's womb. He calls us by name. He's numbered the hairs on our heads. He's he he's he's uh, he's with us wherever we go. The psalmist says, whether up to the heights or down to the depths, God goes with us. He'll never leave us. Like I said, he'll never forsake us. And he loves us, and he loves everybody so much that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever should believe in him will not perish but inherit eternal life. That's what this is the true story of reality. If you, if if you if you find yourself in in without hope, or if you're comparing yourself to the world, those things are lies. Hope is found only in Christ Jesus and His cross. That's it, and that's a hope that that can't ever be taken away from you. And this is something that we've already talked about, so I won't belabor this point. But this is the truth. This is the way the world really is, guys. And, and and we do well to align ourselves with reality. When we live according to reality, the way the world really is, when we live according to reality, things go better for us. Maybe not easier. Life is still had, but things go better for us, ultimately, because that's where we find true meaning, true significance, and true purpose. 
and then it's only found in Christ. I love the um, the practical approaches here, and I think that um, there are cycles in life. Those are the vicissitudes of life, the ups and downs of life. And sometimes, Kat, as you were mentioning about ruminating, I like that word ruminating, where you're constantly going over, replaying, replaying. And when it comes to something that we associate with failure, the devil has a way of causing us to ruminate that over and over and over and over again. And one of the things that I love about the Psalms, that the Psalms are clear with regards to the internal turmoil that David had, or the sons of Asaph, you know, they, it, it's clear. It doesn't hide it. It doesn't sugarcoat it. But then it says, I will confess my sin to you. I will bring my turmoil to you to the point where David speaks of his own soul. Why are you in turmoil? Why are you distressed? Oh, my soul. And it says what? Remember the Lord. He yeah. is the one who forgives all, all, not some, right. all of your iniquities. Mm-hmm. And when, when I r- start to ruminate, I remember that. And I run to the Psalms. I run to the word of God that have been uh, amazingly therapeutic for my soul. right? And I I do think that when it comes to that, one of the things that I like to highlight for people is there's ups and downs. This is not the, it's not the end of the world. It's not the end. I love that Paul encompasses all this. And we take that passage out of context so much where it says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Is that he's talking not just about the good things. He's talking about, I've learned to live with good and bad. I've learned to know what it's like to be shipwrecked. I've learned what it's like, what it's like to be beaten twice, right? I've had little and I've had 40 minus one. (laughs) Absolutely. So uh, speaking to people who are having trouble financially, this is the time. That is what's going on right now. I can tell you as somebody who was in the therapeutic field around 2008, 2010, and years before that, but specifically those years when we were going through that economic crisis, I saw a lot of people who came suicidal because they lost their job, because they lost their house, they were losing their house, whatever it is. And I can tell you that those people are well now. There are many people who are well. They had to make lots of changes. They had to confront this depression and anxiety that they were feeling, but they're doing well now. So keep that in mind. Also, when it comes to uh, confessing to the Lord, just remember that as to piggyback on what you were saying, John, that our value is intrinsic. It is something that we are given just because we're created in the image of God. It is not something you can add to. It is not something you can take away from. So well, not well, addict, not addict, uh, success, failure, none of those things before God, none of those things change our value. Your value is intrinsic. So remember that no matter where you are, what you're doing, you have value that has been given to you specifically by God because you're made in his image. You cannot take away from that. So let's finish with this. This is all really amazing information. We really appreciate you being here. Uh, Let me remind our listeners and viewers of resources that we discussed. And I'm going to throw a few extra in there. If you need help because your loved one is struggling with suicidal ideation, call or text 988 or visit their website and chat with them at 988lifeline.org. To find mental health or, and or substance abuse treatment in the U.S., call the SAMHSA line, which is 1-800-662-HELP, H-E-L-P. 
If you need to find some relatable articles, there are some great, there's great information out there that you don't have to read this long 700 page book. Some things that are very practical. What can I do when I'm feeling stressed? What do I do when I'm depressed? What does suicide look like? What should I do when I'm suicidal? How do I relieve stress right in that minute? How do I regulate my emotions? There's so many articles dealing with grief, dealing with complicated grief. Here's a couple of websites that I like because they're practical. I don't like the stuff that I don't feel as helpful or that just has extra words in there. This is practical. So some of these, uh, so these are not, not necessarily Christian websites, but I agree with much of the information that is on there. Helpguide.org, H-E-L-P-G-U-I-D-E.org. Verywellmind.com. I've seen some very solid things on there. Nami.org, N-A-M-I.org. Nami also offers free groups to those that are struggling with mental illness, and that will include suicidality in there. So NAMI is the National Alliance on Mental Illness. It's not my favorite name, but it's up to them to, to name. But they have free groups that are available in the community. I do believe they have a Christian group as well when I've researched that, but they do have free groups that are out there. There's also Celebrate Recovery, which does have a Christian mm -hmm. base. Yeah. You can check out celebraterecovery.com. They're usually offered at local churches that are near you, especially the bigger churches. So check those out. Go somewhere, do something. Don't stay just by yourself. So, John, if somebody wanted to request that you come to speak at their event or, or uh, at the church, how would they get a hold of you to speak on this topic or any of the other ones that you present on? Yeah, sure. They could just go to our website at Stand the Reason. So it's str.org, str.org, Stand the Reason. Click training and you'll see all the speakers there. There's only five of us. And you click on my name and you'll see a list of topics. You'll see, I think they have some sample teaching up there. And then you reach out through the form there. And I would love to come out and speak wherever I, I go, wherever I'm invited. We don't ever let uh, cost be a prohibitor. And, um, and I just want to be a help however I can. So str.org training, and then just select my name. Praise God. Thank you for that. Now, if we jump into our scripture section, I brought the scripture of 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 9. So this is a scripture that I call the down but not out scripture. There, that is not in there. I just can never remember where the scripture is at. And I have no idea because I quote <laughs> it very often. I don't know why, but it's 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 9. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. I love that scripture. It's such a reminder to me. And I think for others of you may be down, but you're not out. Trust in the Lord. He'll, he will see you through. Amen. And I, I've selected um, Colossians 3, 1 through 3. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. I love this passage because, you know, it reminds us that the ultimate source of life is not even our own life itself, is not the accomplishments that we have, right? It's not our endeavors. It's Jesus Christ himself, a person. And when you know this person, when you have a relationship with this person, he promises you eternal life that cannot be taken away. And that's the beauty of having a relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. What scripture do you have today, John? Yeah, so, I mean, I've quoted so many that I'm, I'm passionate about already. But I'll, uh, so how about this one? I'll, I'll switch it up. Uh, Philippians 
314, and this is Paul, he's writing, he says, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And I love it because it's a reminder. Paul's pointing us uh, through the trials of life, through our own circumstances that we find ourselves in, and, and whatever it might be, whether it be shame, guilt, loss, whatever it is, and he's pointing us through those things to Jesus Christ and the hope of his cross. You know, so so we press on through the trials of life and and toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And then there's a promise. And it's a promise of uh, everything will get better. And we have eternal life, you know, waiting for us. So, I mean, we're already in it now, but we have a new, an- another life where everything is going to be made well. Everything is going to be made right. All tears are dried, all the affirmities healed, all the things that we've done wrong forgiven. And uh, I just love that. I love him pointing us through our trials and towards that that prize that's that's found only in Christ. Thank you. Now, if there was only... if. Nobody could remember all the things that we said today and you want them to leave with one thing. What is that takeaway you'd have them? Uh, oh, Uh-oh. yeah. Good question. One, there's two things. One is that you're not alone. There's a lot of people struggling. You're not alone. There's also a lot of people who not only want to help you, but can help you. You're not alone. Two, you've got to press on. Press on through whatever the circumstances you might find yourself on. Press on through them. Talk to somebody, get help. And I promise you, you know, just like Kat, me and you have both said this multiple times now, we have experience seeing what happens when people press on through their trials, through their shame, through their guilt, through their loss, whatever it might be. When you press on through it, God will use you. He'll lift you up. He'll clothe you. He'll feed you. He'll dust you off. And then he'll send you back out and use you maybe in the life of a loved one. So so you're not alone and press on. Thank you for that. Now, thank you again, John Noyce, for joining us. To all of our listeners and viewers, thank you for joining us. And we hope that you got a good benefit from our show today. If you did, we would ask that you would please give us a like and subscribe. We'll know that you are listening and that you're out there and we'll be encouraged to keep on going. And remember that we are on almost all podcast platforms and we have a video podcast as well. Check us out on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. So stay in touch so you don't miss anything. So if you wouldn't mind, John, now, if you would help close us out in prayer. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Uh, Holy Father in heaven, I'm grateful. Gosh, I'm grateful for everything, every gift that you've given us, because everything that's good has come from you. Uh, I thank you for, for, for relationships, new and old. I thank you for the big and the small. I thank you for, uh, most of all, uh, Christ. I thank you for Jesus. And and I thank you for his sacrifice. Um through which we have this ability just to talk to you, to pray to you, a repaired relationship uh, with our Father, uh, creator and sustainer of everything. And Lord, you're the God who's there and you hear us. You you hear our cries to you, hear our petitions, our thanksgiving, our praise. And uh, and Lord, we are so grateful for that. I thank you uh, right now for, for Kat and for Manny and their faithfulness in this podcast. I thank you for the listeners and every soul that that that's even if they've listened just for a moment, Lord. And I pray that if uh, if 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 they've watched this even just for a minute or two, that they would find the hope that's found uh, only in Christ and and apart from the world and any of the circumstances that they find themselves in, Lord. I pray for the people who are watching this that are hurting. 
uh, right now, Lord, would they find what they're looking for in you? Would you wrap them in your omnipotent arms? Would you shower them with your never ending comfort? And would you continue to draw them near to yourself? I pray for the people who might fall upon this episode because of the topic that might not know who you are. I pray that uh, that one that they press on, regardless of their faith perspective, regardless of where they are with your son, would they would they know that they're loved and that they're valued and that they're made in your image? And then, Lord, Holy Spirit, would you be ministering to those people as well? Uh, would they come to know who you are and find satisfaction, meaning, purpose in you and in you alone? Um, continue to use us, God. Use us in the lives of each other. Use us in the lives of our families. Watch over and protect us always, never giving up on us, Lord. Uh, I know we're works in progress and we're stumbling through this the best that we can. And it's only by your grace that we're able to do it. So in the end, Lord, would you just help us love you more and love each other better? In Christ's name, amen. 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 All right. We'll see you next time. Ciao. God bless. Thank you.